Welcome to The Jealous Vegan, a podcast about healthy eating, habit change, and the hurdles we all need help overcoming. In today's episode, we will discuss one of our most often asked and frequently frustrating questions. We'll also continue a conversation about the team's strategies for navigating a plant-based lifestyle. And we'll conclude with speaking our truth. I'm Jennifer Hunley, co-founder of The Jealous Vegan. We're joined on this episode by two members of the Jealous Vegan creative team. Lisa Carter, founder of Kinetic Fitness, also known as The Balancer. And April Cunningham, co-founder of the Jealous Vegan, health and life coach, also known as The Influencer. Welcome back, ladies. So glad to have you with us today. So our main topic for this episode is what I would like to call protein snobbery. When you announce or are found out to be a plant-based enthusiast, one of the first things people question is where you get your protein. Has this ever happened to you? And if so, please tell us about a time you've had to defend yourself or maybe even educate your fellow diners. I can recall a story when, uh, Jen, you and I were in the Dominican Republic, and we went to, uh, I think it was a hibachi place we went to, and we sat Mm -hmm. down, and we um, ordered, they brought out plant-based, all for us, and it's weird of us to have been at a hibachi place, right? Like, but... That it was supposed we to be the resort. best restaurant on the resort. Exactly. So we sit down, they, and they accommodate us. And there was a woman at the end of the bar, and or at the end of the table. It was one long you know, rectangle. And she said, she saw what we were eating. She said, well, why did they bring you something special? And we said, I remember I said, uh, we're vegans. And she said, okay, well, what does that mean you eat? <laughs> but she was rather incredulous. Like, she was also on vacation and pretty well imbibed at the time. <laughs> but 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 her incredulity was genuine. Like, well, what does that what does that mean that you eat? And we explained. And the simple way that I was able to come to it after meditating about it for a few minutes was I eat anything with a plant parent, and that seemed to saddle her and help her to feel a little more comfortable about what I was eating. And so it's just interesting that when I tell people that I'm a plant-based eater, um, that's the first question they ask and they're often surprised by, by that. Yeah. I found the resounding chorus of my friends and family and again, fellow diners is, where do you get your protein? <laughs> Has that ever happened to you, Lisa? Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, probably every day. Uh, I feel like especially being in the fitness industry, that's the biggest question I get, um, especially now telling people about the Jealous Vegan and they're like, oh, you're vegan. And I'm, I always say not completely. And then they're like, but like, what? how do you get protein? And you work out and like, how does that work if you don't eat meat? So I feel like I'm always answering this question about where to get the protein, especially from... Um, a kind of more athletic place where people are like, you need it. You're not getting it, you poor thing, you know? <laughs> right, because it's an understanding that if you're an athlete or if you work out, you have to have lots of protein. Yeah. Which, there's also the belief that you can't get it from plants. So then there's like, well, you're working out, but then you're not eating meat, so you poor thing. Yeah. Yeah, there is a pity that comes with it, isn't yeah. it? 
So it's a pity. Like, yeah, how could you? Oh, you people poor thing. People are very concerned. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so we want people to know that if you're going to pivot towards plants, please be prepared for this question and consider how you might want to respond because believe us when we say the question is going to come. Of the 10 leading causes of death in the United States, there are four where food is a contributing factor. People are dying from heart disease, cancer, diabetes, and stroke, which is tied to both high blood pressure and high cholesterol. And yet, I don't know that anyone has ever died from a protein deficiency. No one's ever asked me where I get my carbohydrates or fat from, <laughs> so I don't know why this question, um, there's been this maniacal focus on protein. Why do you think that exists? Well, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm a Gen Xer. I absolutely remember growing up and we had the magic plate, remember? And we had, it had to have uh, meat, a starch, and a vegetable. And generally in equal portions, but I mean, American style, because we can, we had a large piece of meat and a couple pieces of broccoli and some mashed potatoes on the side. But that magic plate absolutely was heavily uh, meat-focused, and so there wasn't any quinoa or chickpeas generally on that plate. So there's some indoctrination <laughs> there, some propaganda even maybe. That, and for me, um, my grandmother said that I was always a kid that would not eat meat. I'd push the meat around and I'd eat the veggies instead. So it's that idea of that there's one way that we're supposed to eat, but um, not any room for dissenting or an opposite opinion. You know what's funny? You were talking about that quinoa is supposed to be like an ancient grain, but I feel like it's brand new because mm -hmm. <laughs> I never heard about it when I was growing up. So right. it's like, oh, where did this come from? Right. Um, yeah, you know, we, we um, all have watched the documentary, What the Health? And in it, they talk about checkmark programs. And I was not aware or maybe cognizant of this food lobby that has been um, pushing for their products to be available to people and included in the magic plate or the food pyramid or all those other things. So when you hear something like um, the incredible edible egg or beef, it's what's for dinner. Milk does a body good. Or pork, the other white meat. These are all actually marketing programs that are designed to get people thinking about these kinds of foods and including them as part of their diet. And they're all really protein focused. Um, and so I think there's some, in, like you mentioned, I think you said indoctrination that has happened um, in the course of our lives that has made us maniacally focused on protein as a vital part of life. The milk does a body good is one of those that's especially um, egregious to me because. Um, I was reading the China study, it was put on to me by a doctor, and in other countries where they consume less dairy, there is a lower incidence of osteoporosis. And the thought is that you need milk to build strong bones, but in fact, the evidence doesn't suggest that. Um, and for myself, having a dairy intolerance, and probably having had a dairy intolerance since I was a teenager, um, I, the effects of milk are very much so felt in my body and for other people, too. Um, and yet that runs counter to what we've been taught and educated in terms of what we need to survive and what we need for nutritional value. So I do agree with your point about what we've been taught because I feel like there's a lot of information with exactly how much protein people need. We I hear people say a lot that you know, I need to make sure I'm getting enough protein, but nobody 
you know, like you said earlier, nobody's asking where you're getting all your other things, where you're getting your carbohydrates, where you're getting your fats, where you're getting those things. There's like this focus on protein. Um, and so for the record, it's recommended that an average adult, not someone who's an athlete, just an average adult, would need about 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per kilogram of body weight. And there are calculators online where you can go and calculate that out. But it's basically, for every 100 pounds, you need about 45 grams of protein. Um, and so I often hear people say, like, they're trying to get all this protein. But what's interesting is that we I actually learned when I was going through my NASM course uh, for the personal training that you know, the body, it processes nutrients kind of all the same way. And so when you overeat carbs, they're stored as fat. When you overeat protein, the same thing happens. And so people are feeling like they need to get all this protein. But when you have enough, your body's like, all right, we have enough. And it's storing it as fat. And one of the interesting things that I did learn in that in my studies is that the average American is not protein deficient, not carbohydrate deficient. And so protein is has the same contributing factor to people um, being obese or um, holding on to fat as carbs. And so I always see people who go on these like no-carb diets because they want to lose weight. But if you're overeating protein, you're going to have the same result. And that's a thing that I think that most people, for some reason, don't either recognize or don't readily associate with sometimes when they have a problem with weight gain or losing weight or that kind of thing is your body's taking in the nutrients. And when it has enough of no matter what that nutrient is, it sets it aside for later and it, deposit it, it deposits it you know, into storage. So basically, too much of a good thing, no matter what the good thing is, is going to harm you. Absolutely. But I love when people ask, you know, where do I get my protein or how do I get enough protein? I'm like, well, how much do you need? And they're like, I don't know. It's just, you know, a lot. <laughs> Who says you need a lot? Why yeah. do you need a lot? Um, and so I feel like that's the first thing that needs to be addressed is how much do you actually need? And then are you getting enough? Because nobody's ever protein deficient. You never go to the doctor. They do a blood test and they're like, you know what you need more of? Protein. Protein. <laughs> yeah, never. Never. It, it's funny, too, because something you said resonated with me because on the American diet, we're used to having protein pretty much with every meal. Mm -hmm. We have eggs, sometimes bacon. Animal protein. animal protein, yes. Thank you. And with lunch, we have always a sandwich or some piece of meat and then also with dinner. And you and I were talking, Lisa, and we were talking about what, how much protein, how, how can you get 50 grams of protein? If you were going to get it animal-based, mm -hmm. what would you, how much would you need? Wait, you mean plant-based? <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> plant-based. How would you get it? Yeah, so this is where it's important to know what you're eating, you know, because most people go for the chicken because they assume that you're going to be getting more protein out of the chicken, but if you do the research, you'll find that um, about a, a cup of chicken is equal to 43 grams of protein. 
But what people don't know is that a cup of black beans or a cup of chickpeas is about 39 grams of protein. And a cup of kidney beans is actually the same as chicken, 43 grams of protein. So you can substitute an uh, animal product for a non-animal product pretty seamlessly and still get the nutrition that you need. That's awesome. I'll be eating some hummus very soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but why, why is protein from animals considered a superior method for taking in protein? Right. So with protein, uh, there are two types. There's a complete protein, and then there's an incomplete protein. And so with animal products, it is your complete protein. Now, let me back up a little bit because what protein really is, is um, you need amino acids. There are three types of amino acids. You have essential amino acids, which cannot be made by the body. You have non-essential amino acids, which can be made by the body. And then you have semi-essential amino acids, which can be made, but not really fast enough for them to be useful. And so what a protein is, it is a peptide uh, bond, a peptide chain that has the amino acids attached to it. Um, so I always like to call it like your, del your Amazon delivery truck. But having protein... Is pointless if you don't have the amino acids to go with it because just like an Amazon truck, if there's nothing to put in the truck, it's not going to go anywhere. Um, and what makes a protein so interesting is it will not leave unless it has the correct ratio of all the amino acids that it needs to go. And so it will stay until it gets all of those amino acids and then it will go drop them off to where it needs to go. So what makes animal protein... Interesting is it's like your multivitamin. You take, you eat animal protein, it already has the amino acids, it already has the peptide chain because it came from an animal that already did the work for you. So it's like taking a multivitamin. Being plant-based requires a little bit more effort because now you have to make sure that you're eating the right amino acids to connect it to the chain because remember that the ratio has to be right too. And so until you get enough, it's not moving. Um, so you have to make sure that you're getting everything that you need. But once you have everything that you need, it's going to go and it's going to be delivered to where it needs to go. Um, and pepti um, protein is really important for muscle recovery, um, for healing. So uh, that's why I think there's this push for people who are really athletic because, you know, you're ripping your muscles. And so you want to make sure that they repair properly. But yeah. um, if you're eating what you need then the protein's going to get all the amino acids that it needs, and then it'll be able to deliver that um, to your muscles. The thing that occurs to me when you say that is, like, that requires a lot of effort to, to put together the right amino acids and the peptides, and, but then I immediately have a counter-argument, like, yeah, but you know what? My grandmother didn't think this hard about what she was eating, although she was eating a lot of animal products, right? So I don't know. What would you say to that? You know, I think people do automatically think, well, that's so much harder. But it's not because, you know, one thing that I found, we talked about that food pyramid, right? The food pyramid was really so limited. A meat, a starch, a vegetable. And like Jen said, you know anything about quinoa until like a couple Two of years, years ago. ago. <laughs> and so it's being plant-based requires you to think out 
of the pyramid. It goes against those easy meat, starch, vegetable, but you can get everything that you need. Like I said, chickpeas has 39 grams of protein. Uh, kidney beans, the same as a serving of meat. And so you just have to think about the way that you eat. It doesn't really require more work. It requires more creativity. And I, I know for myself, because I struggle with timing, like having time to, to do things and meal prep and cook and these kind of things, that's where I struggle is having the creativity at the end of the day to say, what can I eat that's outside of my box? Um, but also the thing that I think is interesting about protein is, like I said, it's not going to leave until it gets everything that it needs. So if you're eating this diverse diet and you're getting a little bit here and a little bit there and a little bit here and a little bit there, that's sufficient. And when it gets what it needs, it'll take off and the next one will wait to fill up. Right. So um, I also think that that's why eating smaller meals throughout the day is much better than, you know, trying to eat a big meal two or three times a day because anything that's fallen through the gaps is falling through the gaps for a long period of time. Mm. Versus like if you're eating those smaller ones, you're able to pick up a little bit, a little bit, a little bit, and you sustain yourself better that way. Yeah, I was thinking about my own plant-based journey. I switched to plants and I haven't felt hungry. I had to eat more often. Yeah, for sure. And I could eat as much as I wanted. <laughs> Spinach as much as I wanted. <laughs> um, but I didn't feel hungry and I certainly didn't lose um, I didn't I didn't lose muscle mass. Um, so I'm wondering about that. That's really fascinating what you just mentioned. Yeah. Most people will find that uh I definitely noticed that in trying to be plant-based that I eat a lot more often. Um, but I feel better and I don't feel, when I do eat, I don't feel that sluggish feeling of being yeah. stuffed and full and now my body's like, oh, you gave us too much of this, we don't know where to put it. It's like, you know, it's so, I, I think in a funny kind of way, but um, I always think of, you know, your body is being a company or a machine. And so when you're eating like one meal that's really heavy, like the workload is so heavy and the workers are like, yeah. man, we're trying to like push this stuff out. We can't, you know, whereas if you keep the flow nice and steady, they're like, all right. Also, I feel like with eating nutrient dense foods, your body is like, yes, I know what this is. I know where to put it. But a lot of times when you're eating food that is has been genetically modified or has been tampered with in some way. There's a lot of ingredients in there that your body cannot identify. So your body's like, we don't know what this is. We're going to put it in, you know, the garage. Is <laughs> <laughs> that what they're calling it nowadays? <laughs> you guys know how it is when you have a garage and then you can't open the door right, and right. everything in there. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> so if food is fuel, mm -hmm. eating shouldn't require a nap afterwards. Exactly. So now we're gonna to move to our plant-based survival strategies. Is there a hack or a habit that is helping you to overcome a hurdle and starting or maintaining a change in your life? And so really I have a question since we're talking about protein, how have you addressed your need for protein? What have you found are the most efficient ways to incorporate protein into your diet without animal products? For me, it's knowledge. Knowledge is power, right? That's a recycled cliche, but it's so true because I learned that all protein essentially comes from plants. 
animals, when we eat animals, we eat, we're getting recycled protein that they ate, and then we eat them. So for me, um, it's key that I, my biology informs that I have to eat plant-based protein. Um, so quinoa um, is a superfood. I love hummus. Um, and so lentils also are a great source of protein, plant-based protein, um, and they're not beans. They're not as gaseous as a regular <laughs> bean. Sometimes some people are allergic to beans, but lentils, that ancient grain, air quote, that we found this century again. <laughs> um, and it's amazing. Um, and also it's, it can be prepared with um, like Indian food, for example. These, these um, international cuisines use a lot of lentils and that's helpful to get what I need and to feel satisfied. Nice. How about you, Lisa? Yeah, I totally agree with April that um, knowing knowing how much protein you need, knowing where you can get it from that's not meat, that has been really helpful. Um, I do take a protein supplement on the days that I work out, a protein shake or a smoothie, um, because... They suggest when you work out that you do want to make sure that you're having protein about 90 minutes after your workout for muscle recovery. And so timing is really important for me personally. So no more than 90 minutes after I work out. And sometimes the, the easiest way to get that is to go ahead and have a protein shake. Um, you make some amazing protein shakes. Yeah. Too, so we should uh, show some of those recipes. because Yeah, I've had protein shakes before that I felt like I was going to die just to choke them down. <laughs> But the ones that you've made for me after our workouts together, I've always been like, oh, this is better than just okay. So you yeah. have to share some of your secrets. Yeah, I totally will. And that's one of the other things that I've learned and has helped me jump over some hurdles. You, ha you have to get creative. You have to try some things that are different. I used to, when I first started even having protein shakes, I would just some... Water and protein shake. I know that's like the worst combination of all time. Like, who said that was a good idea? But that's what you see, right? People put the water in the shaker bottle yes. and they just like just go all in for fuel only. And also, it's hard from the Matrix. Yeah, and also it's hard to find the, uh, the the right kind of protein powder. Like, not all protein powder are created absolutely equal. equal. No, absolutely not. So, but I've learned to use flax milk and pea milk, and I've learned to cut it with a little bit of water. I've learned to put um, peanut butter in it. I've learned know, all I these different things. I was shocked about that peanut butter thing. Yeah. Um, it was good. Yeah, so. Nice. Those are uh, the things that have helped me. I have found that the Koya brand protein shakes that are already pre-made at Whole Foods, and actually at Wegmans, I found them as well, are really, really good. So when I've been kind of in a pinch between meetings or going somewhere where I don't think I'm going to have a lot of food options. I'll just grab one of those on my way, and that's been pretty good. I'm generally challenged, though, because I'm allergic to most beans, including, as you mentioned, black beans and kidney beans. <laughs> so, um, and they, they become the alternative for vegetarians out in the marketplace. And so I am ever so grateful for avocado toast, especially on gluten-free bread at places like the Pan Quotidian, which is in our restaurant guide. Mm -hmm. They have a super seed bread that is made from almonds. So it has, of course, the benefit of almonds for protein. But then when I, I buy it there, they slice it for me, I bring it home, I make my own avocado toast in the morning. So that has 
I usually use a little bit of olive oil, avocado, tomato, and cucumber, and then some spinach on top so that I can hold it without my fingers getting all grimy. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that holds me. I feel full well past the quote unquote lunch hour. And so kind of no matter what my day has going, if I have that as my start to the day, I know that I've gotten a pretty good amount of protein to to get me through um, to the next thing. I can attest to that, Brad. You just reminded me. I need some more of that. (laughs) It's good stuff. It is really good. So the one here on Capitol Hill sells out. Like every time I go in there on a Saturday after two o'clock, they're like, oh, we don't have any more today. But yeah, if you go during the week, it's it's usually available. Mm -hmm. I'll try it. Never had it. It's really good. And so finally, we're going to speak our truth. This section is dedicated to us honestly sharing both our challenges and sometimes failures, as well as other information on plant-based living. April, do you have something this week? Truth. I'm a lazy eater. Uh, Up until a few weeks ago, the TJV 3DC challenge, I would have said I'm the only member of the team that's 100% plant-based. You do like to throw that around. I do. It ain't true. <laughs> um, I'd love to say I love to cook, and I'd love to say I have constant inspiration and endless plant-based recipes to share, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is, I'm a single woman who works hard and plays hard. And I prefer to be served good food that doesn't require me to do the dishes. So Amen. I rely on restaurants and friends, and I occasionally do cook. Um, that's my truth. Gotcha. I actually have a little bit of a confession. I was on business travel last week to um, Memphis, which is... Ah, home of the barbecue! <laughs> exactly. Home of the barbecue. <laughs> and so while I have visited Memphis... Went in Rome a couple of times <laughs> and not partaken of any barbecue... I did, in fact, have some amazing brisket. And I hated that it was it was so good. Because I didn't want it to be good. I wanted it to be just okay. Um, but I did have it on a salad. I mean, oh, that makes it better. <laughs> Double cheeseburger on a diet coke. <laughs> it was really, it was really good. But you know what? I did feel sluggish. I noticed I was not as regular in the, the next couple of mornings Ooh. after, yeah, after eating it. So um, while I, I did indulge, and I felt okay with doing that, again, surrounded by some plants, um, I did feel the, feel the difference. Plants like, to the rescue. Like, your plants are supposed to rescue your brisket. Right. <laughs> I've been like shoveling in some spinach since I've been home trying to, Trying to recover. Yeah, but, no, uh, no judgment on this team, but okay. it's very funny that you, you know, it's the biology. It's listening to your biology. You could eat it. It was fine, but then you yeah. notice the difference, right? And Absolutely. it's tuning into that. That's key. So. Mm-hmm. For sure. For me, uh, I have a truth, and uh, it's that I really struggle with um, when I'm cooking, when I'm grocery shopping even, to think outside of that meat, starch, vegetable, meat, starch, vegetable, meat, starch, vegetable. Um, And so I do find myself getting a piece of chicken because I don't know what else to eat. And for me, it doesn't necessarily come from a place of I need to have my protein as much as I'm expecting that texture and that flavor of meat. And 
And what do I do to replace that? And what do I eat that is going to be as satisfying as a piece of steak or a pork chop or chicken? Um, So I'm still working on it. I try to consciously not purchase those items, but definitely a struggle growing up as, you know, average American kid with an average American diet. Yeah. I mean, real talk, nothing replaces bacon. Not going to get that gristle or that, I mean. Oof, that's just the real facts. And that's to say that sometimes you can't replace it. You have to find something new that you like. Sometimes you just can't. And that's part of the challenge, right? Yeah. Thank you for joining us today. We'll see you in the next episode. And until then, remember, don't let perfection be the enemy of progress.